So we're going to get started. And I just, just show of hands, like how many of you guys were there at the unity service at Mishler last Sunday night? I mean, what do you guys think? Was that like, I mean, was that just like um, amazing? So they, uh, they told us when we signed up to do this, uh, they were like, you know, you can do tickets if you want. You don't have to do tickets, you know, whatever. You don't, it's not necessary. And uh, they told us because you know that that place was standing room only. Those of you who were there, there were no open seats. Um, and they told us, they said, if you're going to do this here again, you're going to have to do tickets. Which the problem is, it's full already. So if we're going to do this, this thing again, uh, I don't know. I mean, we're going to have to find another place. We're going to have to, yeah, maybe go, go do it at like uh, the baseball stadium. Um, but like, wasn't that amazing? Wasn't it just amazing like to have all of the churches, I mean, not all the churches, but so many churches together. And rep- I mean, it was just uh, amazing. And, I, and I'll tell you, like those of you who are sort of like familiar with like the history of this city, if you're familiar, I mean, those of you who weren't there, brief history of the city, like uh, in 1949, Billy Graham came to town and uh, did a revival here. And it, it, the result was he preached the same messages. And at the end of the day, he called it a flop, and it made him question whether or not he was called into ministry. And the reason that it was a flop was because the churches wouldn't work together. Pastors said, well, if that guy's going to be there, I'm not going. He be- he's theologically liberal, or he's theologically conservative, and I'm not going to be a part of that. And we couldn't come together as a city around the name of Jesus which is a problem whenever you're the church of Jesus Christ, right? So we couldn't come together, and so Billy Graham left town and wondered whether he was actually called to be an evangelist. And so for 70 years, roughly, the city has sort of lived under a curse of its own making. We've kind of been this city that's like busted because we busted ourselves, which is usually the truth, but... um, and we've just, as, as, this, as a city, have been so divided. And so um, I've been beating this drum like we ought to get all the churches together. For about three years I've been banging on this drum. Hey, we should worship together at the Mishler. I think it would be a good thing. We should worship. This is my drum that has uh, Billy Graham on it. We should worship together at the Mishler. We should worship together. And finally last year I got Richard to go, all right, let's do it. I, I wanted to do it on Easter. He was not as keen on that. but uh, So we ended up doing it on June 2nd, this last Sunday night. And I, for those of you who were there, like, didn't something break? Like, didn't you just feel spiritually that something that had been holding this city captive broke last week? Something broke. I don't know if you guys have noticed this, but, like, as you've walked in the city this week, have you noticed that it feels different? I mean, I don't know if you guys are in tune with that or if you're aware of that, but, like, I typically, when I walk through Altoona, I don't know if you, like, you can envision, like, walking through, like, jello, like, everything, every step would be a little bit slower, and it just sort of, like, does that make sense, or is that just weird? It's a little weird, but do you know what I mean? Like, there's sort of, like, this resistance, and it's constantly, you just feel like you got goo all over you, like, that's, and, and this is sort of, like, what it has felt like to me to, like, do ministry and live in this city that we've just sort of been like in this haze and this fog. And this week, 
man, it's hot, right? I don't know if you've noticed that, but like something feels freer in this city. Something changed last week, and I think that it's just the beginning of what I believe God intends to do in this city long term. I mean, I I just don't have really words to describe how this like makes me feel. And at the same time, are we aware that we're in a battle? That even though something broke and something has changed, we are still in a battle with an enemy. I can't tell you how many people participated in last Sunday night's gathering that over the past week have not been just brutal in attack. I mean, just some horrible things. I'm not going to tell their stories, but just some some things like you're just like, I I mean, it has to be. I mean, you, you, you could say it's coincidence, but like two people. But like one by one going around the week. Hey, has this been? Yeah, I've had just like relationship stuff that's just like been, same for me, like relationship stuff has been like, what is happening? Like, why am I, like, these are people that I care about, that care about me, and all of a sudden they have relational issues. Like, we didn't have them like two weeks ago. Like, what is going on? And it's just sort of this, like, we're in a battle, right? And so, um, but I do believe that something is changing. But here's the thing. We can't do this. We can't fight this battle. We can't go forward in our own power, right? I mean, you can try for a little while. It'll probably kill you, right? I mean, we can't do this whole church thing in our own power. And so I was I was getting ready to, this I promise ties in. Um, I was getting ready to put a series together. Peter uh, Pete was like, um, so many Pete's in this church now. Um, Pete was like, hey, what are you preaching on this weekend? And I was like, working on a series through Jeremiah. It's going to be good. It's going to be this great series through Jeremiah. And I'll tell you, man, I, I've like read and read and read. And I'm like, why is this not coming together? I feel like we're supposed to do this. And it's just not coming together. And I was like, oh, yeah, it's Pentecost Sunday. We should probably talk about the Holy Spirit. We should probably talk about the Holy Spirit. And and so, but, you know, we, we as a church, I think, have been very heavily loaded towards Acts. Like those of you who were here for the Acts series last year, the series that never ended. I mean, how long do you preach through a book? Seven months? It's a really long time. Uh, so we're going to talk today about... Pentecost, and it's this is sort of our, our, our remembering, our celebration, our remembering of the birth of the church, and it's it, it comes through the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and so in Acts 2, the disciples are, are all together, and Jesus says, hey, don't go anywhere until you get the Holy Spirit. Don't try to do this ministry until you get the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit shows up. You guys have seen this passage a number of times. If you've been around this church for five years, you've probably seen this ten times. Um, but the, the Holy Spirit falls on these people, and they be like crazy things begin to happen, right? So much so that everybody who's around says, well, they're drunk. We know what this looks like. They're drunk. This is drunk stuff. You got these people speaking in other languages. You just got people. It's just crazy, right? And Peter stands up, and he's like, hey, listen, we're not drunk. It's only 9 o'clock in the morning. Come back later. That's not what he says. He says, it's only 9 o'clock in the morning. They're not drunk. What you're observing is what was foretold by the prophet Joel. Now, we haven't spent a whole lot of time in the Old Testament. You're going to get plenty of Old Testament this summer. But he says, this is, th- this is what was 
prophesied by Joel. And then he quotes from Joel 2. And so what I want to do today is I want to look at this passage in Joel 2. We're going to look back at, at Joel 2. Like, what is Peter talking about? What is Peter talking about? And the point I want to make today is that the Holy Spirit lives in you so that he can live through you. He can live through you. The Holy Spirit lives in you so he can live through you. That's the point that I want to make. Joel was a prophet who speaks about the judgment that God is going to allow to come to Israel. If you read the Old Testament, you see this sort of cycle happen, right? God chooses this nation, this busted people. He says, you're going to be my people. They're like, yep, you'll be our God. We're great. We're going to live for you. And then over a period of time, they stop doing so. And then they start treating people really badly in the name of God. Sounds a little bit like today sometimes. And then they they find themselves. So God says, okay, well, I'll just let judgment happen. Judgment is going to come to you. And they're like, oh, man, how can we? God's people were judged, and this is horrible. And God, would you save us? And he says, all right, I'll save you. And then they're like, we'll live for you forever. And then we'll take advantage of people, and we'll treat people poorly. And then judgment comes. And you see this cycle. If you read the Old Testament the nation of Israel, this happens over and over and over. So Joel is a prophet that stands up and says, God is going to bring judgment to Israel. God is going to bring judgment to Israel. And, and when he gets done talking about judgment, Joel turns the corner and he says, but wait, that's never the last word. God is going to bring restoration God is going to bring restoration. Judgment is not the last word. The last word is restoration. God is going to bring restoration. And so then at, right at the end of this, as he's talking about restoring life to the nation of Israel, he gets to, to chapter 2, verse 28, and this is what we're going to read, okay? We're going to read four verses here. It says, and afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. I will show wonders in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved for on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there will be deliverance. As the Lord has said, even among the survivors whom the Lord calls. Now in in Israel, at this time, The spirit being poured out on people is not common. Like we talk about it in the church like, oh, yeah, I got the he got the Holy Ghost. He got the you know, we talk about this spirit poured out and I got filled. I got baptized and I got all these things. Right. And spirit, spirit, spirit. I mean, we talked about the Holy Spirit three weeks ago. Right. This is yes. This is no. This is I wasn't here. We talk about the Holy Spirit all the time, but in Israel, this is not a common occurrence. The Holy Spirit is only poured out on specific people for specific reasons. God calls somebody to be a prophet, and he says, and I'm going to put my spirit on you to be a prophet. You. Just you. That the Holy Spirit is poured out on people for a specific purpose. People would be anointed by the Holy Spirit for something. Or to be someone, to be a certain role. And so the Holy Spirit will be poured out to to accomplish whatever the Lord selected somebody to do. But this wasn't for everyone. This was for some. For a select few. 
And not only that, but prophecy, as we read here, prophecy wasn't for everyone. It's not for everybody. Prophecy is for those that God calls to be his prophets. God selects only a few people to speak for him. And in in the Old Testament, the way you know whether somebody's a prophet from God is, are they 100% accurate? Is every word that comes out of their mouth accurate? Because if God has put his spirit on them, and God is going to entrust this person to speak for him, then it will be 100% accurate. So this wasn't for everybody. But we get to this point in Joel's prophecy where Israel's been dealt judgment, and now Joel says that God's going to pour out his spirit on all people. On all people. And because of this, all people are going to begin to prophesy. I don't know, I mean, like, It's hard to sort of catch what he's saying here if you don't understand that this is not normal. This is weird. He's saying this to people that are like, this is not what you do. This is not right. But the point is the Holy Spirit lives in you so he can work through you. I want to make two observations from this this text, okay? The first one I want to make, if you read this, you see a very egalitarian sort of nature of the pouring out of the Holy Spirit, don't you? I mean, look, look again at verse 28. It says, and afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters, sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Joel says God's going to pour out his spirit on all people. Now, I'm going to give you a Hebrew lesson. You ready? You want a Hebrew lesson? Even if you don't, you're going to get one. Some of you know that the prophecy that Joel uh, was written originally in Hebrew. It wasn't written in English. It was translated. So I want to give you a little, bit of, a little bit of background. We have this thing in English. And, and if you dig into the original Hebrew language where he says, I will pour out my spirit on all people, that word all, if you look in the Hebrew, it means all. That's all. It means all. It means all, everybody. Doesn't mean only men. Doesn't mean only old people. It doesn't mean only the powerful ones. It doesn't mean only the clean ones. It says all, and in Hebrew that means all people. If you're a follower of Jesus, if you have surrendered your life to Jesus, the Holy Spirit is to be poured out on you for a purpose all people it's irrespective of your history your background your financial status your age your gender what you did last year last month God says he's going to pour out his spirit on all people and here's the deal there's not a male Holy Spirit and a female Holy Spirit there's not an old Holy Spirit and a, and a junior Holy Spirit. Like, little kids, you get the, the junior one. You know, there's not the Holy Spirit that says, men, you get the leadership and the preaching and the teaching and the, the eldership, and women, you get to serve. You get to be the host- hospitality. There's one Holy Spirit poured out on all people. What this means is that we teach kids in our kids' ministry to pray for healing. Why? 
because it's the same Holy Spirit that brings healing when you pray for it, for the sick. We teach our kids to hear the voice of God. Why? It's the same Holy Spirit that enables them to do that. That's what they're doing up there right now. So some of you are like, oh, man, i got to go get my kids. <laughs> right now, what they're doing is they're teaching these kids to hear God's voice and how to pray for it, to be kingdom people in this city. I mean, my son is eight years old now. My daughter is six years old now. They are kingdom people. They, they show up and they bring the kingdom, man, just like any of you do. There's not a junior Holy Spirit. And here at Vineyard Altoona, we don't subscribe to a, a set of church roles for men and a set of church roles for women. We don't believe that. The whole, same Holy Spirit was poured out on I'll tell you this much. I, I was in, in a church where, where there was a, a lot of argument over whether women could preach. And at the time, I didn't, wasn't so sure that women could preach. Honest. I'm going to be full honesty here. I was like, I don't know if they can or can't. And then I sat and was taught by a woman that God clearly had ordained to preach. And that will wreck your life. If you're a complementarian, if you're like women are, you know, teach the children and they don't really preach and they're not good. If you sit under the teaching of somebody that God has put his spirit on for the sake of teaching, it doesn't matter what gender they are, they'll wreck your life. It was like, I was like, oh man, I don't know what to do with that. Her name is Tammy. Uh, she's in Columbus. One of these days I should bring Tammy out here. She'll mess your life up, man. In a good way, in a good way, in a really good way. Just because you're a man doesn't mean you're called to lead or preach or teach. I, I can't tell you how many churches I've been in where we only let men do the leading. We only let men do the preaching. And they're the most spiritually immature and spiritually bankrupt people in the world. But because they're men, we go, well, you're in charge. And you wonder why churches don't make a difference. We need the Holy Spirit, friends. And so if you don't have it, it really doesn't matter what gender you are. It's not going to make a difference, right? If God has poured out, poured out his spirit on you, we want to encourage and bless whatever God calls you to do and gifts you to do. The criteria we use to choose people in this church to do things is gifting, calling, and character. Nothing else. Gifting, calling, and character. That's the criteria we use. The Holy Spirit lives in you so he can work through you. For some of you, that's not been your experience. And I want, but when we get done, we're going to pray for you. Some of you have been in, in a place, like especially women in this city, I think, have been in a place where, you know, women can't do certain things, you know. And if you're, if you're like, man, I really feel called to preach. Well, you're proud and you need to sit down and take stock of your spiritual life and blah, 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 blah. Right? Sometimes God has just put the Holy Spirit in you to preach. So that's the first observation. The second observation I want to call your attention to is this. The wide distribution of people being chosen to speak for the Lord. The wide distribution. Joel says your sons and daughters will prophesy. Not just some, not a son down the line, a daughter at some point. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. What does it mean by prophesy? What is prophecy? For some of us, that's a, a scary word, right? Some of us are like, woo, prophecy, that's exciting. I love it. That's like four of you. 
of you and me. But for some of us, it's like, this is, makes me nervous, doesn't it? Honest. Can we be honest? Well, you want to be honest? How many of you does it make, prophecy makes you a little bit nervous? Honestly. I get a little bit nervous. Honestly. Like sometimes, because, right, like some of us, maybe you've had a bad experience. Somebody comes to you and thus saith the Lord, and you're like, I, man, I don't, I don't, I don't, I can't, I don't know. <laughs> that feels awful intrusive and really doesn't feel like God, and I am now like fearful, and, but if I, I, I don't think that's God, but if I go against it, like, right, like, and we've been put in a position where we're like, am I allowed to question this? Am I allowed to go? I don't know. Some of us have been in a place where you just, you just like the, the hype and the pomp and circumstance, you just can't. The presentation of prophecy sometimes is just so elaborate that you just go, I, I want, the Bible says it, I want to believe it's real, but gosh, that pre- I can't get with that presentation. So have you had that experience? Like some of you, maybe you grew up in a tradition where where, where pro- prophecy is a gift that doesn't happen anymore, right? Like anybody ever heard of a Schofield Bible? You ever heard of a Schofield Bible? These Bibles where like all the gifts are no longer for today, right? Everything works in dispensations and blah, 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 blah. That's my, I don't believe that phrase. Blah, 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 blah. Don't buy that one. But like some of you were maybe raised in a tradition where, and, and so like, to talk about prophecy, well, you know who the heretics are. They're the ones talking about prophecy for today. But some of you, maybe that was the tradition you were raised in, or maybe you were raised in a tradition like I was, where it's not that we're saying that prophecy isn't a real thing. We just don't talk about it or do it or demonstrate it or go anywhere where they do it. <laughs> right? I mean, you've been in places like that, and so it's like, it's not that we're saying it's not for today. We just pretend like it's not and hope you get the message. Right? I mean, you've been there. I mean, there's a lot of reasons that people get really, really nervous about prophecy, right? Like, are you allowed to just tell me God said, so therefore I have to? Is that a thing? Or or, or have I misunderstood that? Well, here's the thing. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14, follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. He's not like, well, you know, if, if you're especially gifted, then prophecy might be for you. He's like, eagerly desire prophecy. Eagerly desire prophecy. Some of you are like, <laughs> the air just left the room. Not only are we not supposed to be nervous about prophecy, we're supposed to desire prophecy. I prayed for prophecy for a year, every day, about 15 years ago. I read this verse and I was like, eagerly, des- what does it look like to eagerly desire prophecy? I guess you could start by praying for it. <laughs> eagerly desire, well, some of us have a hard time with prophecy. Let me give you like some definitions then, right? Some of us think of prophecy and you go, well, it's like, it's Christian fortune telling, right? Give me your palm and I'll tell you what Jesus said. You know, something twisted and weird like, well, in two days you're going to have this happen and then in a week that's going to happen. And next year, this is where you'll be, right? And sometimes God does that. Sometimes. I would say it's not even most of the time. Most of what prophecy is, is God giving you an an insight, his perspective on history, 
such that you can go, well, I know what God's going to do here. I know his character. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, you look at history and you go, I don't really know what's going to happen. We're going to read the tea leaves and do the other thing. and whatever. But if, if the minute you get the Holy Spirit, you sort of get a perspective that you didn't have before. And you go, well, I have seen God's faithfulness, so of course he's going to be faithful. So you can stand up in front of some people and say, God has been faithful. He's going to be faithful to you. I know that this looks like God's not going to be faithful. It looks like you're going to fall on your face. But what I can say, because I know the, the Lord, is that he's going to be faithful to you. I know this day looks really, 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 really dark to you. And I know that it looks like there's no end. And yet, because I know the Lord, I don't know how he's going to do it, but he's going to bless you for it. Because that's his heart for you. More often than not, that's the way prophecy functions. It's not this, it's not like Christian fortune telling. Does that help you a little bit? Typically, prophecy in the New Testament, prophecy in the New Testament is, is to be an, an encouragement. Prophecy in the New Testament is sort of to be the highlighter on something that God's already done. Like God is already saying to you that this is what you're supposed to do. And somebody comes along and is like, man, I had this dream. And in the dream, you were doing this and this and this. And I don't know if that means anything. And you go, oh, wow. That is, that's exactly what God has been saying to you. That's the way it's supposed to work. You don't build your, you don't serve a prophet. You serve the Lord. You don't serve a prophet. Just because a prophet comes and gives you a word doesn't mean you have to take it. If you get, the, you get a prophetic word, somebody hands you this thing, and you're like, this means jack to me. You put it on the shelf. Say, I don't know what this is. It sounds crazy. I'll put it up here. Who knows? Maybe God will later on bring it back. The way, that's the, but see, here's the thing. We're supposed to test prophecy as well. Somebody comes up to you and says, thus saith the Lord. And it's like, well, that doesn't line up with this book right here. That's not, that's not in the book. Uh, so... That's not true. You're supposed to test prophecy. That's why it's important to read this book, right? I mean, we have stacks of them. If you don't have one, take one home. It's important to read this book because you're supposed to go, okay, somebody comes up to you and says, here's a, here's a word from the Lord for you. And you say, well, that's not who God is. That's not the way God has revealed himself. Like I had somebody tell me one time, they came up to me and they were like, well, I'm sleeping with my boyfriend, but God told me it was okay. And I was like, which one would you like me to use to prove to you that that's not okay? I mean, I can, God has said over and over, oh, that's my little feet, and over that that's not who God is. So it doesn't matter what you think God has told you. If it doesn't hold up to this book, then it's not what God has told you. That's not God. You're supposed to test prophecy. Is it within God's character? Is that the kind of, it, does God say, well, you know, you know that guy who wronged you at work? Well, you need to go smack him around a little bit. It's not who God is, right? If God told you to go shoot that guy, it's probably not God telling you that, right? I mean, we laugh, but like how many times has re like religious extremism, I heard from God, so therefore I went and wasted all my sores, Right? How do you test that craziness? It's a book test. There's been tons of heresies that have, been, that have come out of people saying, I know that's what the book says, but here's the special revelation. Mormonism is one of them. Mormonism is one of them. 
I know that's what the book says, but I have these special tablets. You don't understand. God speaks to me through golden tablets. Like if we, we can totally, we can embrace as a church, we can embrace prophecy if we, if we play by God's rules, right? I think prophecy has an amazing, amazing role in the church because how many of you have been in a spot where you're like, I can't see through this mess. I've been there. I can't see through this mess. And somebody comes along and says, I feel like God's word for you is just hold on, persevere. He's going to meet you in the midst of it. All that's in this book, right? And all of a sudden you're like, oh, I forgot that God sees me. Have you had that experience? That's what's supposed to happen. Sometimes God will tell you something really, really specific. Like I've had God tell me people's names before. But like, but typically it's, it's not like, hey, in the future this is what's about to happen. It's like, hey, I know the character of God. I know the heart of God. And so based on knowing the heart of God, I can go, here's what's going to happen. This is prophecy, friends. Are we a little less scared? A little less nervous? I think God wants to release this to us. I think this is something that God wants us. And here's the other kicker. This is not even in my notes. Actually, the whole last five minutes is not in my notes. I couldn't get it to print. Uh, (laughs) Here's the kicker. Friends, when you know God and you know the character of God and you show up to somebody who's far from Jesus and you have a word from the Lord about their situation, that's where this comes this comes full circle. When you go up to somebody who has no hope in the world and you say, hey, but I know God cares for you and I know what he's going to do in your life with this situation. If you'll trust him, he's going to do this. He just gave somebody hope who was looking for it. These, all of these gifts, all this Holy Spirit stuff, all the controversy about is this for today or is it not? If you take these things out of this room and use them out there, if you go to the cookout and you go to somebody who's got a busted leg and you pray for them and they get healed, they're probably going to want to talk to you. These things are for the building up of, of the church, and people go, oh, that means that we get to play inside here, right? We build each other up, and we're building up. Maybe. The, how about the building up of the church as a body in mass? What if the gifts of the Holy Spirit were for the building of the body of Christ by seeing people come to know Christ? What if that's what this is for? What if it's not so that we can have some Holy Spirit show up front, pray for you, and kick you over? I don't know never knew what that other makes no sense to me so i won't do that either but what if instead of it being about a party that we have in here what if it's like hey we're going to train each other to pray for each other and hear from god for each other so that we can get out there so that we can go across the street and give people hope so that we can participate in the awakening that god is already up to in our midst 